Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Chad. I'm the pastor of this church, and this morning I'm going to do something that I've only done maybe one or two times as a pastor, and that is uh, I'm, I've decided, not this morning, but this week, to totally pivot away from uh, what I was going to begin preaching on this morning, which is prayer. And so we'll start that next week. Uh, because it was Christmas, you can tell by what Brandon said earlier that he had no idea that we were pivoting away. He just whispered to me, wait, you're not preaching on prayer as he walked off the stage. And, uh, and so uh, there's a reason for this. Uh, sometimes I think God lays things on my heart that are important, or at least that I need to deal with in the course of a week, and I have this outlet called a sermon to kind of deal with these things publicly and to, to I hope, share with you what, what God is speaking into my heart, and, and here's, here's where this begins. I get weird on my uh, birthday and New Year's Eve normally. I get uh, weirdly depressed. I'm not, I'm not generally wired for, you know, to be depressed. It's, it's not my kind of general makeup. But on my birthday and New Year's Eve every year, uh, I, I am just kind of overall sad. That's kind of the word I would use to describe myself. I try to keep myself distracted on my birthday. I tell people that I'm really depressed on my birthday in part so they'll just buy me more stuff and then, and then I'll feel a little bit better about my birthday, you know, but uh, it's all because of this. It's all because both of these dates, August 9th and January 31st, December 31st, uh, they point, they remind me of the fact that life is really short. And you know how it is, like you get to your birthday and, and it's like, I can't believe this is here again. You get to the new year and you're like, I can't believe this this is here again. I can't believe that we're going to 2020. And frankly, I can't believe that we're going to a, a new decade now. It's, it's shocking to think that the 2010s, did we ever come up with a name for how you say that? The 2010s or whatever you call them, uh, they are, are now gone. And so uh, what was weird to me is that it happened this Christmas Eve. I, I love Christmas Eve. It's my favorite day of the year, way better than my birthday and New Year's Eve. I love Christmas Eve. We had an incredible Christmas Eve. My kids going wild was one of the greatest joys, you know, that I've ever seen, just the fun that, that they had, the excitement to, to be with family, to open presents, to eat things that I normally wouldn't let them eat, you know, unchecked anyway. Uh, and and then we're driving home from uh, my grandparents' house, and, and I just click into one of these, you know, thoughtful moods. And, and it was all, it was all kind of downhill as soon as we left Kaiser and started headed back towards Wilsonville. And by the time uh, we were home, I, I was crying and trying not to let my kids see this because I'm not, you know, the dad who's going to ruin Christmas with my own emo stuff. But, uh, but I, I was crying, like I had tears coming down my face and, and I, I mean, I had, you know, the 25, 30 minutes to process and, and we get back and I, I say to Bryn, like, I'm, 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 I'm doing a different sermon, like, uh, and, and here's the thing, I, I was crying because Every good thing is tainted by this one idea, and I wrote this later, it didn't pop into my head, but every good idea is tainted by this. This might be the last time. It might be the last time that we celebrate this thing in this way with this group of people. We never know what's going to happen. We don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know where we'll be next year. We don't know how our health will be. We don't know who will be living and who will be dead. We don't know, uh, you know who will be married and who will be divorced. Uh, you know, We just don't know what's going to be here next year and 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 I was just driving and I'm thinking like this was so great 
And, and we don't know, nobody knows, if this will be the last time that we do this in this way. And, and so I started to cry and, and, and then I got home and, and I immediately just was like, it was crazy, it was crazy. I, I took out a Sharpie, I think better in Sharpie, and, and I got a piece of paper out and I just started just letting everything pour out of my mind and I think my heart too. And, and so many things were coming into my head and I wanna, I wanna share some of those things with you this morning and, and some of my responses to you know, this problem that we all have that, that we don't know if this will be the last time uh, you know, and it taints, it taints everything good in this life that this might be the last time. I was reminded of uh, this great line from The Office, and I don't know if you're fans of The Office, but the character Andy, for those of you that are a goofy character, but he, he I think, offers the greatest line in the entire show, in the show's history, and it's in the last season of the show, and, and The Office is that everybody's going their own way, and he says, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. And I think we all struggle to do that, but even when we do realize we're in the good old days, we still understand that those good old days are flying by, they're fleeting, like, and we can't, we can't really get a hold of them in a way that allows us to enjoy them because they seem to be just flying and, and it's like trying to grab sand in the wind, right? Like, and we just can't really enjoy them the way we could if, if we knew that we could keep doing it. Um, things change quickly. I, 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 I'm sorry this is going to happen, but you're going to hear a lot of Frozen 2 sermon illustrations in the next few weeks. Uh, we, we went, I will try not to give any spoiler away. I can't believe Olaf dies. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. That's not real at all. I don't even think that's possible. Um, but uh, I'll try not to give you any spoilers, but, uh, but we watched it and now I listened to the soundtrack with my children Every day, every time I'm in the car, I listen to the soundtrack. And, and you may remember the phase I went through with Moana, where, where I, was listen, I listened to that like 10,000 times and then you heard about it a lot. Well, now you're about to go into the Frozen 2 period of Chad's preaching. Uh, as, I, as I process and analyze, I, I, I get too deep with these things and, and just really pick apart every single word and why Disney included them and what, what the true meaning is and how it applies to the Bible. So that's been happening lately. And, and as I thought about life's fastness, how quickly life goes. thought about this song at the beginning uh, of Frozen 2 called Some Things Never Change. And, and Olaf is, is kind of sad, like me, in, in, this, in this one scene. It's not giving anything away, I promise. Olaf's just sad about how life changes and how quickly it moves. And then Anna starts singing the song. They do this little duet. But she says, yes, the wind blows a little colder, and we're all getting a little older, and the clouds are moving on with every autumn breeze. Peter Pumpkin just became fertilizer. That's why I rely on certain, certainty, certain certainties. Yes, some things never change, like the feel of your hand in mine. Some things stay the same, like an old stone wall that will never fall. Some things are always true. Some things never change, like how I'm holding on tight to you. And, and, and I processed that, and I thought, well, that's not true at all. Uh, I mean, eventually, we won't be holding the same hand anymore, and, and eventually, stone walls do fall down, and, and it's just absolutely, stunningly not a true song. Everything, everything changes. It sounds better when she sings it than when I read it, I'll tell you that, but, but everything is changing. And in fact, um, on a later, in a different song, I think the most beautiful song 
in, in the whole Frozen 1 and Frozen 2, this incredible, incredible song that, that Hazel and I listen to and we get teary-eyed together, and, and that's my daughter, we get teary-eyed together. It, I mean, it is a stunningly beautiful song. Near the end of the movie, after Anna's grown up a little bit, and she says, and, and I just put these together, I don't know if Disney even came up with this, but, but she says later, when it's clear that everything will never be the same again. It's like life and the circumstances of Frozen 2, which I will not tell you. It's like she comes to realize that what she's saying earlier in the, the movie is not true at all. It's like Anna, as she develops mentally and she grows as a character, she, she goes from a place where she's like, ah, this is all, some of these things will be the same, to this incredible line when it's clear that everything will never be the same again. And we all know that. It's always moving and it's always changing and it's always different. And I think that we gained this perspective with age. As we get older, we come to realize more and more how much we should enjoy the little good moments because of how fast they're going to go away and we'll be on to the next thing. I saw this as, as we were driving home and, and I'm up in the front crying and having my moment and Hudson's in the back excited that he just celebrated Christmas and then he gets mad at me about something. I have no idea what it was. He was tired. It was way past his bedtime and, and he says, I don't want to celebrate Christmas. <laughs> okay, and I, I thought, man, the flippancy of a two-year-old statement versus the weight of what I was feeling in the front was staggering to me, right? Like I would never say I don't wanna celebrate Christmas because I know how few Christmases we get to celebrate with the people we love. Uh, and himself, I saw this photo online and man, uh, it was on, somebody posted this on Facebook and it was a photo that, that showed a picture of a kid opening presents and their parents looking and the, the photo said, I thought Christmas was magical when I was ki a kid, but it was way better, it's way better as a parent. And, and I thought, wow, I've never disagreed with anything that I've read on Facebook more. And there's plenty to disagree with because I spent literally the entire Christmas picking up wrapping paper. That's what I did. <laughs> and I thought, wow, it is, it is so much better to give than I mean, to receive than to give when it comes to Christmas presents. Like, this is, this is awful. Like, I didn't see my, Bryn's like, oh, it was so nice when Hazel did that dance and Huddy screamed. And I was like, that happened? Like, I just threw paper in a garbage can the whole entire time while in between yelling at Hudson not to open other people's gifts. That's how Christmas went. And, and I thought, man, it was so fun as a kid. And I'll never, I'll never get that back. My great-grandma loved this song, and this is just popping into my head now, and that might be a lot of this sermon, but she loved this song called Toyland. Have you ever heard this song? It's like the world's most depressing Christmas song. It says like Toyland, Joyland, Little Boy and Girl Land, and then it says basically once you leave those gates, you ain't ever coming back. It doesn't say ain't. I added that for effect, but, but it's like once it's over, it's over. And, and my kids get to have this joyful Christmas experience while I pick up wrapping paper and I'm glad they had fun and there is joy in that. I'm kind of joking, like 10% joking. Uh, but, but like it's, it's not ever gonna be the same again. It won't ever be the same again. And I think the song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, man, all this just came into my head in like five minutes. Uh, have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas 
kind of kind of summarizes how we try to deal with it, like how we try to to process. I don't know that the author did this on purpose again, but but try to deal with this idea because it's a depressing thought that things will never be the same ever again. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Next year, all our troubles will be out of sight. Like, well, that's not true, right? We just, we just talk ourselves into that. Have yourself a li- merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. Next year, all our troubles will be miles away. Once again, as in olden days, happy golden days of yore, faithful friends who are dear to us will be near to us once more. Someday, soon we'll all be together if the fates allow. Until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow. So have yourself a merry little Christmas now. I think it's one of the reasons that we like Christmas because we're just m- apparently, according to the song we're just muddling through the rest of life until we get to the holidays just a giant muddle fest and then we get to the holidays and at least some things are the same and if you're like me I think it's one of the reasons I hold so tight to my traditions because at least some part of my life can continue to be the same year in and year out no matter who I celebrate with or what's going on around me I can hold to these certain certainties I can put up a Christmas tree I can turn the lights on I can sing songs we can read the Christmas story all of these things but I'm very different than than have yourself a merry little Christmas and and that I'm just not wired to pretend uh, about things like this Uh, I love make-believe I was a big Mr. Rogers fan I've told you in sermons before but when it comes to the deep things of the heart I'm just not wired to just go eh no big deal we'll be back here next year probably and you know, we'll make the Yuletide gay once again. And so I just sat and I was like, what do you do with this, Chad? You know, like, all right, you're now preaching on it, but you have no response, right? Like, you can't just get up there and quote Frozen a couple times and, you know, be done with it and say, hey, have a depressing 2020. Who knows if you'll make it? Who knows if we'll be here to celebrate the new year next year? I have no clue, you know? And so what I want to offer now is just, you know, brief, I think, um, response to this kind of internal struggle that I have. And I, I'm, I've just always been wired to, to, to just embrace, I guess, the shortness of life. I, I've struggled with this since I was young. A lot of people talk about how fast life goes when you're older, and it's always been this way for me. I mean, I didn't want to get a dog when we got married. I did want to get a dog, but... Bryn, my wife, can attest to this. From like the moment we got our dog, I started thinking about how much it was going to hurt when he died. I mean, it was just like immediate. Like I thought about it every single week, most of his life, how I was going to mourn the loss of my dog. It's just something in me that's the most depressing part of me. But here's, here's how I, I would respond. First, Jesus. I, I know you could have guessed that if you ever went to Sunday school. But, uh, but, but I think that the first thing that is really important to think about as you think about how everything is tainted by we may never do this again is that Jesus stepped into this world and experienced that very thing himself. I don't mean when I say Jesus that this is the grand hope, even though I believe he is. I I mean that it's really important as you process the shortness of life and the struggles of life and the ever-changing process of life to, to think about how Jesus willingly stepped into a life where he experienced those exact same things. Uh, 
we, we posted on Instagram on Christmas Eve, uh, uh, and if you don't follow us, follow us. We post these sometimes, but a, a, a countdown video for you to stop and, and pray, 55 seconds of prayer. We do them about a, a wide variety of things, and I happened to get home kind of in the midst of this depressive state, and, and, and the video this time that we scheduled out, uh, you know, we scheduled out two weeks early or something, it said take 55 seconds and and. and consider or think about how Jesus came to earth and thank him for doing that and and kind of the 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 just it hit right like I'm thinking about how fast and fleeting and ever-changing life is and then I think Jesus came and and I just sat there in my living room for about 55 seconds just saying Jesus I thank you so much that despite you know these internal struggles I have you decided to come to earth and deal with these very same things I mean, think about what Jesus had to go through. Like he had to go through the the death of his grandparents and the death of his dad and he went through the loss of friends and, and, and people rejecting him and turning their backs on him. And, and, you know, we don't know a lot about his, you know, life between basically two and, and 30. But, but all the things that he experienced in that time were normal. And by normal, I don't mean good. I mean, he experienced all of the struggles and the ever-changing ways of life that we struggle. And I think it's really easy to think, oh, Jesus came to earth, and he came to earth, and he died, and he rose again. But, but what connects with me often more than, than those things, even though I, those things are perhaps more important, what connects with me even more is that Jesus not only died and came back to life, but that he lived and he dealt with the things that I deal with. He struggled with the things that I struggle with apart from sin. And I think that as you, maybe you weren't contemplating this, maybe I've made you depressed this morning so that I could give you the answer to that depression, I don't know. But I think as you ponder the end of a year and going into the next year, maybe you're like me and you're like, I can't believe it's 2019. I can't believe how fast this is going. I can't believe how quick this is, my life has gotten to this point and I can't imagine how fast it's going to be. The first thing it should compel you to do is look at Jesus and say, thank you. We believe in this incredible gospel story that God looked down from heaven He saw us in our sin and then he came from heaven to earth. He lived sinlessly. At the end of that sinless life, he died on a cross as the punishment for your sins so that you didn't have to pay that punishment. And then he came back to life. And he did all of it by his incredible grace and love. But what is so staggering to me is that he was sitting in a place that was unchanging that was untainted by this will never be again or might never be again, and he chose to leave the eternal state of glory to enter into our mess for us. And he did it so that we, we may someday enter into his eternal state of glory and live without sin and without sorrow and without pain and without questioning whether or not we can do it again. But I'll come back to that. This sorrow feeling that I felt on Christmas, I I think really is answered by the things we celebrate at Christmas. There's these three words that we use really consistently. Maybe you don't say them out loud, but they might be on your wreath at home. They're in the songs that we sing, all of these things. And and these words are hope, peace, and joy. And, And without hope, peace, and joy, 
the ever-changing ways of life would be absolutely impossible to deal with, I think. I mean, if you're not a Christian, I, I'll just level with you. I don't know what you do with the feelings of despair because you don't know who will be alive next year, how your health will be, what's gonna be different. I don't know how you deal with that without the hope and the joy and the peace that Jesus has brought through the story that I just told. There's this quote in, in my uh, my favorite movie, I think it's my all-time favorite movie, called Rudy. You may know Rudy. Uh, I did some reading about Rudy the other day. It was really interesting. Uh, that's a side note. I won't give that away either. Uh, but Rudy, in the movie, one of my favorite lines has always been his buddy's talking to him, and Rudy's contemplating going you know, and trying to play football, and, and everybody's against him. But his buddy looks at him and says, having dreams is what makes life tolerable. That's kind of true, Right? But I would just say a better thing to say is having hope is what makes life tolerable. I mean, without hope, <laughs> I mean, we just muddle along, right? It's never going to get any better. It's only going to get worse. I mean, without hope, like, you're probably just on a downhill trajectory until you die. And once you leave Toyland and Boyland, at least, you're on a downhill trajectory until you die. But the great thing about being a Christian is that we embrace this incredible hope, hope that someday we will live in eternity where everything is better. And so as, as you contemplate the speed of life, you don't cling to life shortening. That's not gonna happen. You don't cling to this idea that someday we'll happen to be together and we have these traditions and so that's it. You cling to the hope that Jesus has given you. And as you cling to the hope that Jesus has given you, it should provide you with a level of peace. Here's the really cool thing about peace in the Bible, this idea of well-being despite our circumstances. Peace can transcend all understanding. I think I'm right. I think it sucks that life goes so quickly. In the Old Testament, it, it talks about how fast life is on a pretty consistent basis. I'm not alone in this. Some of the great men and women have, that have served God in history have talked about how quickly life goes. I mean, I think it's enough to make you crazy. It's like not knowing what's next and not knowing when it will end. And I mean, it is enough to, to make you crazy. I watched this movie once. This is just popping in my head now too. I watched this movie once where people kind of knew their expiration date and that was like this is when I die and you think like that'd be kind of nice right and I think if I can remember the plot correctly it it drove them nuts you know they're just like sitting around waiting for it like not doing anything but we have peace because because we know that there is no expiration date we have that hope that leads to that peace that allows us to live this life and go I, this sucks and, and I don't know what it's going to be like next year and I don't know who I'm going to be with next year or how it's going to be. I don't know what 2020 brings but like was said in the announcements earlier, despite it all, I can say 2020 will be better because I'll grow in my relationship and my connection to God and that will increase the level of peace I have despite the things I see around me. And then this word joy, joy is not just this thing that's on ornaments, it's something that Christians can have and should have uh, the book of Philippians is written by Paul, this guy that we call the apostle, and Paul is under great distress when he writes the book of Philippians, but despite that, despite not knowing if he's gonna live or die, he describes joy and his joy over and over and over again. 
And even more, I mean, I think we can turn our attention to to ultimately where we will end up someday in, in heaven. And there's a lot of debate about Revelation, the book of Revelation. But at the very end, chapters 21 and 22, there's hardly any debate. It's a picture into what we will experience in eternity. And, and it's an incredible picture. Here's Re- Revelation 21, 1 through 4 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Listen to this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away someday this this world that leads to all this uncertainty will be gone and if you're a christian you will live in an eternal state where you I love this idea man this popped into my head uh last week and i love this idea someday we will celebrate christmas without it being tainted at all by will we be here again next year We will be able to celebrate Christmas eternity, an eternity in an eternal state where we can be with all of our loved ones who have also given their lives to Jesus. And that is an incredible idea. We get to live for eternity. And that means that we don't have to worry as much about the speed in which this life goes. But there's this other thing, death, right? And death hangs over, it looms large over all of us. In Psalm 39, 5, it says, you have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. I think the author of the psalm was living a moment like me on Christmas Eve, right? Like, oh, it's just all going too fast. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? I've always been bothered by this idea I have this idea, this man, you may not want me to be your pastor after I tell you this, but I have this idea to create a death calendar, uh, and basically it would be a calendar that, that, that I just mark off daily until I get to the life expectancy age, uh, because I think it would compel me to use every day uh, effectively and, and with passion. I haven't done it yet. It's kind of going to be a big calendar, hopefully, right? I'm about halfway there, uh, and so I, I, I could start at zero. That'd be depressing. Just mark them down. Uh, but but the speed of life is real, right? I, I man, we were at the Blazers game a couple weeks ago, last week maybe, and it was '80s night, and I came to this horrible realization: the '80s are as far away from my childhood in years as the '50s were from when I was in my childhood. And I'll tell you what, when I was a kid, the 50s might as well have been 1500. I'm sorry if you're older. Like, and I just thought, I thought, wow, kids that are like my kids right now, when they think of the 80s, they think of like I did the 50s. That's horrible. That is a horrible thought I had. I'm, I mean, it tro- ugh, the whole thing was, I think this is one of the reasons I got depressed on, on Christmas Eve because I went to the Blazer game and I... Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 57 says this. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. 
Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We feel the sting of death in everything. Everything. In the pain that we feel in our bodies, just not right, in the bad health we have, in the fear of the unknown, in, in the sadness that we experience when another one of our loved ones get cancer. I mean, we, we feel the sting of death in everything. And Paul, in this section on the resurrection of Jesus, emphatically declares, because Jesus died and rose again, if you will find a new life in him by giving yourself to Jesus, if you will believe in this story of the gospel and you will give yourself to Jesus, then death no longer has power over you. In fact, it completely and utterly loses its sting. We no longer have to fear it. We no longer have to fret it. We no longer have to worry about it. We deal with the the fear of death by looking at the resurrection of Jesus and recognizing that the same power that brought Jesus back to life will someday allow us to enter into the eternal state of perfection that we think of as heaven. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life life and I, I learned that verse in the King James version when I was just a kid and and I think the first uh, when I gave my life to Jesus at four years old I, it was just based on I want to I want eternal life I want to live forever but I think as you get older eternal life starts to sound better it sounds better partly because you get closer to death right I mean the death calendar is always ticking but also because you recognize just how imperfect this world is and you long for something better. When you leave Toyland and Boyland and you're no longer the one opening presents but you're the one throwing away the trash, you start to long for a day when there's no more trash and you can live in an eternal state of joy that's similar to what you see on your kids' faces when they open the next present. There's this one other thing, just one more thing. I hate New Year's Eve, but I love New Year's Day. We've kind of described why already today. I love New Year's Day because it's a fresh start. I actually love the day after my birthday because it's this fresh start. It's like, what's this year going to look like? How am I going to do this better? And I actually take it very seriously uh, considering how I'm going to live and what needs to to be different in the next year. And and I I do pretty good at, at attacking those things that I kind of set as as goals going into a new year. And I think that as, as we look at this world that is tainted by this might be the last time, it is really important to ask ourselves, well, how am I going to live despite that? And I think that one of the things that allows us to, to, to live well despite this idea that life is short and death taints everything is that, is that we are living with a purpose and we are using our days for something that is meaningful. I mean, I'll ask the question this, and I'll ask a couple questions in a second, but what are you going to do in 2020 that actually matters when you do die or when things do change? I mean, what are you going to use this year for that actually and truly matters? Philippians 1.21 says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. At the end of Paul's life or near the end of Paul's life, he writes the book of 2 Timothy 
He realizes that death is coming you know, sooner rather than later. And he writes these other words, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 8, for I, am, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. This is 2 Timothy. I, just re- I wrote down 2 Corinthians. I told you I wrote this in a hurry. 2 Timothy, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who have longed for his appearing. I think that each of us, as we experience the speed of life and, and the, this life that is tainted by death, need to do our best to fight the good fight and, and to live this life as though it is a race as we hold tightly to the faith that we have embraced if we are Christians. Jesus said it this way, seek first his kingdom. We should be seeking first God's kingdom. My family has always said this thing that I think is really important and I guess it comes from a CT stud uh, poem and, and it's this only one life will soon be passed only what's done for christ will last I, I googled that this week i knew it was a family saying they never gave any credit to ct stud i'm sorry to say but i actually discovered that it's part of a bigger poem called only one life will soon be passed and here's what he says in the fuller version it's actually a long poem but here's uh one uh, excerpt from it only one life the still small voice gently pleads for a better choice Biding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. What are you doing for Christ that will last? What are you doing in your life that will last more than the 75 years that you will live on this earth? And I think if you have a solid answer to that question, then it's okay that things might be different next year. And it's okay that you're, you don't know what 2020 holds or the year after that or the year after that. So here's my advice. Take hold of what Jesus has done for you and live your life for his glory. I think that's the sum of it. And that's kind of how Ecclesiastes, it gets to the end. And I don't know if you ever read that book and he, kind of feels like I did at the end of Christmas Eve. Everything's meaningless. Everything's meaningless. He's like, just serve God. And that's what I offer this morning. Take hold of what Jesus has done for you and live your life for his glory because we don't know what tomorrow holds and we don't know what next year holds and we don't know how long we're going to live and nothing ever is going to be the same again. We're sure of that. So take hold of what Jesus has done for you and live your life for his glory. Let me pray you'll do that. Let me pray I'll do that. Lord Jesus, I thank you that there is an answer to our fears. There is an answer to our, uh, our sadness. And it all lies in you, Lord. I first want to pray that, that people who have not committed their lives to you, Jesus, would. I pray for these people in front of me today. I pray for those listening online, which I think is a bigger number this morning than normal. I, I pray uh, that if they're not Christians, they would they would become Christians because there's no hope, joy, peace. There's no eternity without it. And frankly, I don't think there's, there's good purpose, at least purpose that will last. So bring people to you, Lord. And then for those of us who are Christians, maybe nobody came here with these same questions this morning. Maybe nobody came in thinking about the shortness of life or the ever-changing nature of life. But they will at some point, Lord. 
when a diagnosis comes, when they're sitting at the funeral, when they've lost their job, they'll, they'll think about these things. And I pray that you would draw their minds back to the peace, hope, and joy that you offer. And you would compel them, Lord, that no matter what they face, they can live for a greater purpose, your glory, God. And I pray that all of us would live to experience and express your glory now and for eternity, God. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.